right, praise God. He's so good to us. I meant to mention earlier, in case you don't know me, I'm Ron Jones. I'm one of the uh, pastors here at Hillside. And we do also want to get to know you, so in, your, uh, in the pew there ahead of you, there is a Connect card, and if you haven't already done so, please do fill that out. You can fill it out online by scanning the code, or you can uh, just write on it, drop it in the back, and we have a, a gift for you on the table outside. So uh, we do welcome each and every one of you. So how many of you can say that since I became a Christian, I don't have any problems or troubles. Isn't that how it works? I mean, uh, I don't see death anymore. I don't have any sickness. I don't have loved ones going through trouble. Uh, it's just all good. And of course, that's not the way it is at all, is it? John chapter 11 has for us this morning a wonderful lesson. It shows us who Jesus is. And in this, in this that comes from... Uh, John 11 it happens shortly before Jesus would go on to the cross and it also paints a beautiful picture of what the cross does and talking about getting personal on a personal level it answers the question I think many of us have when we go through suffering and sometimes it looks like we're going through something, and where's Jesus? It, I, I can't see him near my problem. What's going on? Why am I having to go through this? So we'll look at three things this morning. We start with Lazarus is dead, and that's okay. Kind of a strange thought, but bear with me a minute. Let's look in John chapter 11. We'll read the first 16 verses to get going. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Well, when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, 
Let us also go that we may die with him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will sanctify your word. Father, that you would cause me to preach the appointed message for this hour. Lord, that you would give us all ears to hear, heart to receive your message. Show us and instruct us. Now, Lord, we pray, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we see three things. First, there is a problem. We have no shortage of those in our lives. Sickness, death, bereavement, emotional turmoil, all these sorts of things, right? But here, the problem has to do with Lazarus. And we see a purpose. We have the what is the problem. The purpose is the answer to the question, why? What's going on with Jesus? Why is he doing what he is doing? Why are we going through these things? And finally, this whole chapter is the story of the great provision that Christ has made for us. So let's start with the problem. The problem. A certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. As I look at chapter 11 in here, here in the book of John, I can't help but think that so much of this is applicable to us on many different levels. It tells a historical story about a good friend of Jesus named Lazarus who was ill, who'd gotten deathly sick, somebody that Jesus was familiar with. He often went to the house of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, stayed there, and now his beloved friend is sick. It tells that story. It tells the tragedy of how that escalates from a mere sickness to death. But also added to that, this chapter is a wonderful picture of what Jesus is going to do for all of us because I think if we look in here, we'll see the salvation message and also a lesson for us as sometimes we don't know Jesus as well as we think we do. And we certainly can't say we understand all that God is doing. And when we're going through something, this chapter is a wonderful reminder that God has got it in control, but oftentimes His timing is not going to be our time. The problem. The problem is Lazarus is dead. Not only is Lazarus dead, Lazarus is fully dead. He hasn't simply lost his breath. It's worse than that. Y'all might remember a classic movie from years ago called The Princess Bride. One of my favorite comedies. In the movie, the hero whose name is Wesley is going around as the dread pirate Roberts. He actually dies and this comical character named Miracle Max gets him and says, well, there's dead, and then there's mostly dead. And he's not all the way dead, he's mostly dead. But we can't say that about Lazarus. Lazarus was all the way dead. He had been dead for four days. That's a problem. 
not just for Lazarus, but death is something that stares at each and every one of us. And the Bible says that we all have an appointment to die. There's death. He had been dead four days. Now, records tell us that the first century Jews believed that once you died, your soul would kind of hang around for three days. For three days, your soul is orbiting around your body saying, okay, somebody, bring the paddles, resuscitate me already. And the first day, nothing happens, and the second day, still dead, and the third day, the soul is so, well, what's going on here? And finally, by the fourth day, the process of decomposition has set in that the soul says, you know what? Even if I could go back there, I don't want to. I'm going. So four days, the soul is nowhere around. Yes, folks, Lazarus is really and truly dead. And that's a problem. Oh, we are all familiar with death. We're all familiar with sickness. And here is Jesus. And the ills of the world are encapsulated in this little story that touches him personally, just like it touches us personally. And I know Jesus could look forward from this day to a short time later when he himself is going to be looking and staring at death as he prepares to suffer on the cross. And we see this awful death. And we see this awful suffering and grief. And we say, well, where does it begin? We got the problem, so what's the root of the problem? Where did it all start? Well, there's a scripture for us. It comes from the book of Genesis. Genesis in chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. All the way in the book of Genesis, we don't even get to chapter 2, and here is sin already rearing up its ugly head. As God has said a commandment, we know what's going to happen. God says, you shall surely die. Let me tell you something, folks. There is not a single word that God speaks or has ever spoken. It is not completely significant. Now, the devil tried to come in and play a game. He came to Eve and said, hey, did God really say you couldn't have any of this fruit? You're not going to die. You're not going to fall dead. It's not poisonous. Oh, what kind of poison it was, though. Because no, they didn't fall dead right away, but their bodies would decay, and sin had entered in. And it was a poison so strong, it not only killed Adam and Eve, it has killed every man, woman, and child since then. That's the kind of poison that sin is. That's what brought death into this world. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. I'd say that's a problem. 
And here is Jesus, right in the middle of it. He's dealing with it all. So we see the beginning of sin, the root. Well, where does it end? There's another scripture for us that comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and verse 8. All the way at the end of the Bible, we see where sin is winding up. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. It begins in death, and it winds up in an eternity of death. Oh, we're so worried about the first death that many forget about what is so much worse the second death. The first death we all have to go through. We all have to die one time, but we don't have to die the most horrible death of all, the death of eternal separation and condemnation in the devil's hell that here the Scripture talks about. So yeah, that's the problem. Now there's another problem here for the believers, for the faithful. And that is, picture us. We've gone through bereavement. Terminal illness has stricken close to home and maybe we can say, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Mary and Martha's problem may feel like our own. And the scripture says they hadn't done anything wrong. I mean, when they came to Jesus, they said, Master, the one you love is sick. Jesus, you love this guy. You love him. And then the Bible says, the Bible says that, not only that, it said that now in verse Five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Not only did they love Jesus, Jesus loved them. Many can say, I know the Lord. I love the Lord. And the Bible makes it clear that not only did they love the Lord, Jesus loved them. Just like Jesus loves you and me. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. And I think the scripture makes it clear that Jesus loved them because the next verse makes us wonder, well, really? It says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, it's for the glory of God. That the Son of God may be glorified through it. So far, so good. But then in verse 6, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And I got to thinking about the way that's worded. So when he heard it, after it talks about they loved him, he loved them back. He heard Lazarus was sick, and because of all that, he stayed two days longer where he was. What? If I have a fire at my house, and I call the fire department, I sure hope they don't wait two days to get to my house. 
But who cares about a fire if my loved one is dying? I want to see Jesus like yesterday. But because Jesus loved them, and the King James says, therefore, because of all of that, right, he stayed two more days where he was. What on earth is going on? And then in verse 14, when once they understand that Lazarus is really dead, not just partly dead, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. I'm glad I wasn't even there, Jesus said. Yeah, Lazarus is dead, and that's okay. What's Jesus talking about? What's he doing here? It opens the... Next big question is why. In other words, the purpose. The purpose. Oh, we'd all love to answer the question, why? Why, Jesus? Well, verse 4, he does give us the answer. This illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. What Jesus is doing is he's shoring up their faith. He's helping them to understand. He's not playing games. He's teaching them an oh-so-important lesson. Because make no mistake, we can be short-sighted. I think sometimes we get in the mindset, we serve God, we worship Jesus, we come to church, and we want God in return to take care of our circumstances. If I'm sick, Lord, heal me. If I'm in a financial difficulty, Lord, give me some relief. If I have depression, Lord, fix me. We look to Him. We want that immediate end to our bad circumstances, and that's only natural. Mary and Martha were no different. Lord, can you come? Can you please heal Him? And I say that's a little short-sighted because Lazarus is dead. That's okay. You know, we ask where my healing is. We love to quote Isaiah 53 and 5, which in 1 Peter 2 and 14, Peter says, in the King James it says, By his stripes we are healed. But there's so much more to that also. It talks about there being a, a sacrifice. And there's a reason. And the kind of healing that he's talking about is important to us. By his stripes we were healed because it says he bore our sins on the cross. See, the first healing that we need isn't for our sore throat or even our heart condition or even our cancer. The first healing we need is our sin. And Jesus has ultimately provided that healing because he died on the cross. By his stripes we are healed. Our relationship has been healed. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we may cease from sinning and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed for you were going astray like sheep. But now you've turned back to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. You see, this is the long view. This is the ultimate life that Jesus is talking about. Just like the death, 
he mentioned in Genesis chapter 2 was a poison that has killed everybody. The life that comes from Jesus is a life that renews all who believe. That's the purpose. That's his purpose. Now, as the answer to the why is, as Jesus said, is so to glorify his name that even in Lazarus' sickness, that even in Lazarus' death, the Son of Man, Jesus would be glorified, God would be glorified, Lazarus is dead, and it's okay, because why? Because to God, it's nothing more than sleep. Let's look at how Jesus can fix this. How can anybody fix this problem? How can anybody stop the runaway train that's barreling toward us all called death? How can anything, anybody, save us from that awful hell, the second death, because we deserve it? But there has been a provision. And oh, what a provision it is. It is provision that first of all is powerful. When Martha came to Jesus, oh Lord, if you, if you had been there, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, this is important, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. the seventh of the great I am statements that Jesus made in the book of John. He didn't say, I have resurrection power. He didn't say, I know about eternal life. He said, I am the great I am. The I am that I am that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, the almighty God in the person of Jesus Christ says, I am the resurrection and the life. And just like that word death in Genesis has that deep, rich meaning, that venomous poison that affects us all, so now the word life is more than just life for Lazarus, is more than just life for a selected few. It is eternal life if we will believe in Him. A life so rich that it makes the mockery of all death. Yes, Lazarus is dead, but it's okay. Because there is a life giver present. There is one who can erase the stain of death. Oh, yes, he has the power. We had the picture of the, of the tomb with the great stone. And I think of that for the Jews of that time that nothing could symbolize death better than that huge old heavy stone that separated the land from the living from death. Oh, Jesus has the power, folks, because he stood outside of that door, outside of that stone. He said, roll it away. 
They said, Lord, that's not a good idea. You know how this Georgia heat is. It's not going to be a pretty smell. He said, didn't I tell you if you'd believe you'd see the power of God? They rolled away the stone. And the almighty Jesus Christ, he called out. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, that's power. That's power because that, you know, the Bible says Jesus has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He proves it to you. He got out from the inside. He was on the other side of that, of that stone. He was on the other side of death. And the grave couldn't hold him. He didn't need anybody to roll the stone away because it was rolled away when the women came. They were wondering, who's going to roll away the stone for us? And they came, and there was set an angel on top of it because death could not hold him. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the very essence of life would never be held by death. Thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption, it says in the book. Oh, that's power, folks. He beat death at its own game from one side of the stone and from the other side of the stone. And so he tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, but that's not just the end of it. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. It's powerful. And Lazarus came out of that tomb, y'all. He was wrapped up like a mummy in those grave wrappings. Jesus said, let him go. But you know what? Lazarus took his grave clothes out. But Jesus, when he was resurrected, they found his grave clothes right laid all nice and neat right there. Because Lazarus was going to need his grave clothes again. Because Lazarus died. His body is dead today. Yes, folks, Lazarus is dead, but that's okay. Because Jesus is alive. It's powerful. Oh, but it's also personal. It's personal. This is not just an old story that comes to us from the Scripture. This is it, folks. This is about us today. It was personal for Jesus. These were not just some strangers. These, these were friends of Jesus, close friends, as close as you could be. He loved them dearly. And when he saw their unbelief, and when he saw the Pharisees saying, huh, he could heal the blind, well, looks like he could have done something for his buddy Lazarus. And Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Did he cry because Lazarus was dead? No, he knew what he was about to do. Jesus wept because here in a nutshell was all the ravages of sin. All the mourning, the grief, the unbelief, the hardness of heart. It all wrapped together. All of Satan's handiwork on display. But I believe in my heart that this still Jesus' resolve to go to that cross. If he had needed any more motivation, here it was. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and he proved it. But he, it's personal, y'all. It's personal because it's going to be us too. 
Jesus made it personal, didn't he? He called Lazarus out of that tomb by name. Lazarus, come out. If you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've heard him call your name in a sense because no man can come to him unless the Father draw him. Come out. You don't need the grave clothes of sin. Repent of your sin. Accept Christ as your Savior today. Come out from that tomb. It's personal because when Jesus explained it all to her, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he says, do you believe this? Do you, Martha? Do you believe it? Or is it just something you heard in church? Do you believe it? Or is it just what people like to say at the grave side to make ourselves feel better? Do you believe it? Or are they just words that are carved on a tombstone? Do you believe it? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Oh, I love it when the Scripture checks the checkbox and you know this person's saved. You know this person's a child of God. Folks, we're going to see Martha in heaven. Because why? Because she believed, put her trust in, acknowledged. There is a warning here, though. There is a warning. Notice it says, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Who lives? Folks, you have to make that choice on this side. When you die, it's too late. Jesus told the story of a rich man and a different Lazarus. And the Lazarus in that story died and was carried to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man lifted up his eyes at hell. It was too late for him. He was worried about his five brothers. That's why when, when I preach a funeral, even if I don't know the familiar with them and know their testimony, if they've accepted the Lord, I could confidently say, this departed loved one of y'all, he wants you to make a decision. He would say to you, make it personal with Jesus right now. Y'all, Lazarus is dead, but that's okay. Because Jesus said where it really matters to never die. The scripture says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So when we've accepted Christ, we have avoided the second death. It won't touch us. Never die. You know, we have spend, spent millennia, thousands of years learning the import of that warning that Jesus gave to Adam and Eve when he said, if you eat of it, you'll die. And 
we all see the fruits, the results of that from that one act. By one man, sin came into this world. And the Bible says by another man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came the gift of salvation. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. As we have our time of invitation this morning, oh church, this is personal. You might be in a place of discouragement. You might feel like Mary and Martha. He says, you know, I love the Lord. I know he loves me. He's been in my house. Where is he? Why don't I see him right now when I want to see him? And maybe Jesus is saying this sickness isn't to death, but it's for the glory of God. If we can trust him, if we can believe, because so often he does show up in our circumstances. But when Jesus says that he gives us eternal life, enjoy it right now. Put your trust and confidence in him this morning. It's our time of invitation. I pray that if you have business to conduct with Christ, however he is moving upon you, as we have this invitation, this altar is open. Lazarus is dead. But that's okay. Because in the truest sense of the world, of the word, he is alive. Jesus is making that word life. It's going to have meaning that's going to make death seem so insignificant because you know what? The last enemy shall be overcome. And just the life of Jesus, just like you'd squish a cockroach. Squish, squish, squish. Death goodbye.